than what we just have to call Thomas Trant's erotica. Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Thomas Drance is going to join us in just a moment here to kick off hour three. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Our next guest is on our show now. He'll be on Canucks Talk at 12. That's noon Pacific time, which is just part of a full day of nonstop Canucks coverage here on Sportsnet 650. Thomas Drance from Canucks Talk in the Athletic Vancouver here on the Halford and Bruff Show. What up, Drancer? Good morning, gentlemen. Coming to you live from the waning moments of Tampa Bay Lightning morning skate at Amelie Arena. Canucks scheduled to take the ice at 1130. I guess it's going to be optional, although nothing official there yet. Uh, having practiced twice in the last three days and, and played a game on the third of those days, I, I think the Canucks, I don't think I'm going to learn a lot at the rink today, but I'm here anyway, because uh, that's what you do when you're on the road. Uh, did Steve Stamkos participate in the morning skate for the Lightning? I, I wasn't here on time for, for those specifics, so we'll uh, we'll get updates though, from Cooper well, while I'm on the phone. So check your Twitter feed. <laughs> I'm on Very it helpful. Right. I'm on it right now. Um, I, we'll just jump right into the stuff for tonight's game before we get into the big picture stuff. Are you yes. anticipating Mark Friedman making his Canucks debut tonight? Well, he was the extra in practice yesterday, but I'm not sure how much I can read into any practice lines, frankly, given that they were completely the same ones that Rick Tockett used against Philadelphia. Um, you know, I, I won't be surprised if we see a curveball or two, but at least, you know, what, what you'd have to say is based on what we saw at practice where Friedman uh, was mixing in as an extra on that third pair with Susie and Noah Juleson, I would be, uh, I'd say he's trending to not be in the lineup today. Canucks probably wanting him to get a full practice with the team, maybe two, before they actually put him into a game situation. Uh, Stamkos did practice, by the way, the way, and he was working with the top power play unit. He's so, in. There you go. You know, Good sign. All signs point to a return uh, for Steven Good. Stamkos. Tonight I'm getting for... a little bit lucky, even as the Canucks get unlucky, in that I got to see Sean Couturier play, something that you know has only happened like three times in the last <laughs> 650 days. Yeah. And, and now I'll get to watch Steven Stamkos, who I haven't seen play live since he scored a goal on the same play that he uh, pulled whatever he did or re-injured whatever ligament he did in the, in the bubble. So uh, excited to see, you know, one of the, one of the great pure shooters in NHL history play live tonight. So you think that talk, probably going to juggle the lines. Well, I, I at least think there's a chance. I mean, there's two sort of things that I can like two possible pathways through coach, crushes his team's effort, but then makes no changes to his lineup of practice the next day. The first is that 
Maybe it's just short leash time. It's like the consequences for the performance were felt by the coach's critical commentary, both in public and in a meeting the next day. Um, and yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get a chance to bounce back in your spot without any changes. But obviously, if you don't come out pretty hard as a team, um, that there's gonna be a short leash on that lineup. Um, you know, the other possible read is that. Potentially, they left the lines the same. No purpose in giving the Lightning a, an extra day to anticipate what you're going to do, and we'll see something different at puck drop. I, I was just pretty surprised to see the Canucks go with a completely unchanged lineup yeah, yesterday. Uh, and so, you know, one of those two reads on it, um, I, I think will play, and, and hard for me to know exactly which one. I guess we see the same lineup to start, and I, and I think if the Canucks, you know, don't come out pretty hungry, don't come out pretty competitively don't come out pretty hard i think you're gonna see changes very very fast what about splitting up hughes and heronic on because man that cole myers pairing it's just it's just i just there's no good solution here right i i I actually think the hughes heronic pairs performance is enough reason to change it on its own Mm -hmm. you know like i I thought that pair had a really poor game yeah And, and i thought you know one thing one thing i think about with quinn hughes is his best partners know exactly who they are and, and don't try to do too much because the fact of the matter is, is that there's no play you can make that wouldn't be made better by Quinn Hughes, right? Like the more you're filtering the puck to him and letting him, it's like, it's like goalies handling the puck, right? Like a goalie handling the puck is, is cool. It, it can help. But at the end of the day, if your goalie's trying to do an outlet pass, like, like there's no, the best, the best goalie stick handler in the league is still a worse breakout passer than Eric Debris, right? Like you don't actually want it to happen that much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I thought Horonic tried to do too much against Philly and at some very crucial moments, I think it was costly in terms of sapping the team's momentum versus what would have happened if you'd had a, a defender just sort of make the simple D to D play um, <laughs> to, to use and let him cook. So you know, I, I mean, it's not just about Myers in the top four for me. Uh, it's that, frankly, I, I've been pretty underwhelmed by what I've seen from a hughes Ronick partnership through, what, three games in a preseason outing. Yeah. Are you hearing anything on the Con- Connor Garland front? Because I'm wondering, you know, if the okay. Canucks might try and kill two birds with one stone here, not only clear cap space, but bring in another candidate for that right shot pairing with Queen Hughes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if there was a trade, though, to be made in which the Canucks both cleared cap space and, and turned Connor Garland into a defenseman, um, that deal would have happened two years ago. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I, I don't want to say it's not going to happen. I, I think, you know, Garland's got Judd Moldaver working on it. Uh, that's a smart dude. I'm, I'm Maybe a creative solution is possible uh, to break what's been a multi-year deadlock of this team being completely willing to trade Garland for uh, a package that included young players at various positions. Um, in addition to a, a modicum of cap relief, but man, it's tough. Like I talked to Mark Friedman and you can read a little bit of our conversation today at the athletic. And he was talking about how, when it comes to, when it comes to clearing waivers, something he's done relatively you know, commonly in his career, including being claimed off of waivers um, by the, by the Pittsburgh Penguins, like this time around, he knew that he was going to clear because no one had money to add him, right? You look around the league, 14 teams can't even call up a league minimum guy. It took the Canucks four transactions, four 
four paper transactions and, and two real ones to swap out Akito Horose <laughs> for Mark Friedman, right? Like, this is the Love world we're in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, in, in what world where you have to do four transactions to swap out Friedman and, uh, for Akito Horose, given that they have a cap hit within 14K of each other, um, it, are, 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 is suddenly, suddenly now, after two years of trying, right? The, the, the sea is going to part, right? The, the clouds, uh, the, the cloud cover um, will allow the sun in, and all of a sudden someone's going to be like, you know, Garland, three times 4.95. Like, mm, yeah, give me that. Mm-hmm. Chancer, why do you think the Canucks came out so flat against the Flyers? Do you have any theories? I mean, I don't think, like, I think it was five minutes. In the first, first five minutes of the period, I think it was just like classic home opener bump. For the Flyers, and then I thought the Canucks played fine, fine, not good, but fine. The latter part of the first period, and and I think the thing that I, I sort of noticed was it felt like they were getting, getting like decent zone time and looking somewhat like themselves in terms of generating dangerous chances. But the moment, the like the moment arrived. What would they call it in soccer, Halford? Where it's like um, they were like wasteful. They had no cutting edge. What would they call it? Like they couldn't make the final pass. Lack of uh, service. Lack of service. Yeah, yeah, maybe a lack of service in the first period. Let me think on uh, it. And then, yeah, and then, and then it all fell apart. Like, and you know, and I, I don't, I don't have an ex. Like, if you have an explanation for getting outshot by the Philadelphia Flyers by that Flyers team, yeah. um, you know, twenty, what, what, twenty-two to three. Uh, with with the officials actually adding a shot like after the game, like it was twenty two to two on the scoreboard and in, in the building for most of the night. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think there's any excuse for that. Honestly, I don't like. I know there's a time change. I know it might have been a slightly harder game um, in terms of travel logistics than than maybe it looked on the schedule. But man, like they were trailing. Like they were trailing. There's just no excuse for that. And and you know, so early, so you don't want to. You don't want to panic, but even if this team is playing more detailed defensive hockey, you know, if you spend as much time in your own end of the rink as you did, uh, as this team did in uh, the latter halves of, of the game, on their game two and game three uh, on Saturday in Edmonton and on Tuesday in Philadelphia, you're still going to end up being one of the best, one of the worst defensive teams in hockey, right? It might look a little different because at least, you know, to some extent your defensive players are in position to make them work a little harder for it, but on, on raw volume, it's going to be the same thing. Uh, that was sort of what concerned me about that game in Philadelphia. It's like you can tell that this team's attention to detail defensively is better, but if they're stuck in their own end yeah. at that rate, they're still going to make Demko work too hard. So, isn't, isn't that what I, it all boils yeah. down to? Like, can the Canucks control even half the play at five on five? Yeah, I mean, well, and I don't know. Like, I don't know. Because to this point, other than the first game, like, they also haven't generated, right? Like, it's not like they're generating a lot through three games on balance. Like, if you put the three games together and look at 180 minutes of it, um, you know, they're not generating a lot. They had two games in which Edmonton goaltending and, and, and some fortunate bounces, you know, and, and look, at the end of the day, if you score two deflection goals in a period, you can be at the top, you can live in the blue paint, right? You can own the deed to, to the top of the blue paint, but two deflection goals in a period requires at least a, a couple pucks bouncing your way. Mm. Um, you know, a two on O. I mean, how often do you get a two on O over the course of a season? Yeah. Which, which was actually funny because it came on not a great change by the Canucks. Like they were, <laughs> they were, they were yeah. changing on the way back. And then the, the Oilers were the ones that rimmed it around. 
Yeah, and then and then you know you get a Sam Lafferty goal, which again, like, um, has he, he scored ten goals once in a season, and it required him to shoot, you know, eighteen percent. I mean, you know, I, like, let's be real, like this team just hasn't played well five on five on balance. Mm-hmm. Um, although they looked really good against Edmonton uh, in game one, so I just don't know yet. You know, I don't know yet. I'm not worried about it yet either, right? Like they're not going to be. I don't think their games are regularly going to look like they did against the Flyers and the Oilers no more than I think they're regularly going to look like um, the, the game that they played on opening night. But to this point, like, we haven't seen them defend well, frankly, and we haven't seen them attack, you know, uh, generate a lot either. Um, so I just don't know. I, we'll see. I, I think they've got a lot to prove here over the balance of the throw trip. Did Tockett's, uh, and this is something that Halford brought up, um, did Tockett's response after that, Flyers game was that about more than just the Flyers game yeah 100% I think it was also about the Oilers game and I think it was also about what he's seen in preseason I think it's about what he saw in you know um, last season when he took over the the game against Seattle I I don't know did you catch with uh, his podcast with 650 contributor Frank Saravalli where he's talking about being so mad Outside uh, after that yes. second his yeah, second yeah. game coaching the team. You had to be calmed so down. To be like, yeah, and the coaches had to like, you know, buy him a beer or whatever. I mean, you know, so I, I pictured them actually you know, drinking beers on the corner in Vancouver at like two or three in the morning and just like <laughs> just like at, just like after a beer league game, you're just drinking beers yeah. in the parking lot. Or or, or, or after uh, or after your buddies like had a bad breakup. Yeah. Like, and you're like, <laughs> Let's oh, grab a six it. pack and uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, I mean so I think it's just an accumulation and I, I think more than anything it's the like I don't think if they'd lost two nothing to the Flyers that they were necessarily gonna have talk it be that upset but i think when you don't compete against the flyers you're going to and i think that's going to happen every time like i I don't think i don't think this team is going to be spared critical commentary from their coach when the issue is not just like if it's performance-based you know if the puck bounces against you if you play the game that edmonton played when they lost 4-3 to vancouver on saturday i don't think you're going to hear a lot of critical commentary like that certainly from talk it but if if you don't show up Mm -hmm. right if you if you if the effort is, is lacking that significantly, if, if you're not, if you're making low high, low hockey IQ plays all over the ice. And here's one thing that really bothered me. I haven't seen, heard a lot of people talk about connect. were kind of just like trying to make like one handed lunging passes through the neutral zone. Like no one was even putting their body in, in a path to win a battle. They were just like lunging with their stick at pucks. Like it was really sloppy, uh, really careless. I think that's the sort of performance with this head coach is going to get the team blasted. Uh, every single time. Um, what are you expecting from the Lightning tonight? Because they just had uh, a road trip, th- and it was funny how they played uh, Ottawa, Detroit, and Buffalo on their road trip, and those are kind of the three teams in the Atlantic Division that yeah. are trying to hunt down teams like Tampa Bay and uh, force them out of the playoffs, and they lost all three of those games. So do you think the Lightning are going to be uh, especially motivated tonight? Well, they should be. Uh, you know, here's another team that to this point, and obviously it's early, like hasn't played that well. They just haven't played that well. Um, I, I know they're 2-2. Two and two. I know they've overcome some, you know, sub-NHL level goaltending to get there, which uh, is a testament, I suppose, to their understanding of what it takes to win, of how to do it. But, man, like, I, I, you know, watch, watching some of their games, I thought they got off to a really good start in their first game, and, and since then... It, it, they haven't felt like a team 
that's, you know, overwhelming five on five, right? I think the big test here is going to be for the Canucks penalty kill in particular, because, you know, I, I think the lightning with how they performed in the early going with the age of their best players, um, you know, this, this is a team that the Canucks should be able to get right against at least to some extent, five on five, they should at least be able to, you know, hit their fastball relatively comfortably, make, make hard contact um, when, when the, when the lightning pitch it, but the Lightning five on four. Uh, the, the Oilers are more overpowering, but the Lightning are more precise, right? And, and I mean, it's going to be a real test, I think, especially, uh, you know, because the Lightning are going to do a few things. Like, they're going to have two, two or three moments in this game where the question isn't, will they be able to manufacture that shot for Steven Stamkos? It's yeah. will he cash it in from a bad angle, yeah. right? Like, that, that's going to happen. Team's been really good four on five. To me, that's the biggest threat that the Lightning posed for them this evening. Drancer, enjoy the game, buddy. Enjoy Thanks, Florida. Guys. Oh, I will. Back to my old stomping ground. Oh, oh wait, I wanted to ask you, how is the ball game in Philly? Oh, man. Honestly, what a cool environment. Like, it was just such a cool environment. So I got tickets free mm-hmm. minutes before. Like, literally, I got a text, uh, once again, from Sarah Bali, uh nice. at, like, 7.55. He's like, dude, I got gifted. Um two free outfield tickets to the to the Phillies game, you know, you should come. Um, now, he didn't, he wasn't even sitting with me. He got, he gave me two free tickets because he, he had other ones. And so I was like texting like Murph and everybody on my way in the Uber and, you know, uh, Canucks tra- media, uh, traveling media party, not what it used to be. It took me like seven calls to get someone who wanted to go. Um, but, uh, but look, it was incredible. Like there were Phillies fans. I was out I was out when I got the ticket, so I showed up wearing a Blue Jays cap. I was like that oh guy, boy. you know, oh boy. which is not which is not great. Um, but you know, and ended up like a bunch of fans were like, "We have Roy Halladay in common," and like we're like super into having a Canadian root for the Phillies. And, yeah, uh, like adopted us. Like the drunkest guy in our section adopted us. Oh, that's um, awesome! And, and introduced us around, and and the vibe, the songs, like the fact that you've got you know this ballpark of sixty thousand plus screaming Robin after a victory, you know, it, it's wild. Like, it's just, they're such a cool team. It was such a fun night. And, and, and that team, that ballpark right now is an absolute vibe, like the best of the best from, from a standpoint of being able to tell that a city is coming together and into a, a particular team and, and developing all sorts of weird collective organic things. Uh, to enhance, you know, the the celebratory mood around them. It was fantastic. I actually read something, I can't remember where I read it, but how the Philadelphia sports fans are trying to change the narrative about Philadelphia sports fans. And they got really tired of like, you know, we th- uh, people like Philly sports fans throw batteries on the field or they threw right. snowballs at Santa or whatever it was. And they're kind of <laughs> trying to change that. I think it was that. batteries at Santa. Was it batteries at Santa? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it was. But, uh, yeah, I, I wonder if there's something to that. Do you think there is? I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, I, I'll tell you this. Like, people couldn't have been more friendly. Honestly, we were, like, chatting, drinking beers, having beers bought for us by, like, four or five people in our section, and I, did, I wasn't even wearing the right gear. Like, I just showed up like an idiot. Um, so I think that, look, my, my experience, very limited, very anecdotal, but... I would say that that was one of the friendlier sporting experiences I've ever had. Might have helped that the team just absolutely mashed uh, the Diamondbacks both nights. But, yeah, yeah. I, it, incredibly cool. Awesome, buddy. Glad you got to have that experience. Enjoy the game tonight. See you, gentlemen. Bye. See you, buddy. 
That is Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver. God, I miss being on the road. Yeah, yeah you're like, glad you got to get the experience, Drance. Really happy for you. Yeah. Um, glad you got to do that, Drance. Sounds just like to, fun. Yeah, I watched it on television. Just, just, <laughs> to, con- just to confirm, uh, it was Snowballs at Santa. It was with, Snowballs at Santa. With batteries, ba- with on batteries the in the middle? With no. batteries in the middle, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and batteries and batteries and were reserved for players only. Baseball history lesson. You saw about the connection between Philly and Toronto fans, the original name of the Philadelphia Phillies, the Philadelphia Blue Jays. Was it really? It was. I used to say the Philadelphia Batteries. They hated the name so much that all the writers just started calling them the Phillies, and then it stuck. Um, <laughs> true is that true? Is, is that true? true? A good oh, little wow. piece of history there, yep. laddie. Well played. Okay, uh, that's a good segue into what we learned, because I just learned that. I had no idea. What we learned are coming up next. Get them in. Dunbar Lumber text line is 65650. Uh, hashtag it WWL and tell us what did you learn over the last 24 hours? Lachlan's got one. Lachlan's got one. Lachlan's got Last one? day for Lachlan, yeah. who Jason is called Lachlan. Yeah, yeah. Lachlan and I are going to go out and get some tacos. <laughs> <laughs> That's all coming up next on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 831 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. It is what we learn time. This is all brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at Campbell-Pound.com today. Do, do, do. Do, 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 do. All right, let's do some what we learns here. Uh, this is an exciting day, a sad day, because intern Lachlan, or as Jason pronounces it, Lachlan. Yeah, Lachlan. Uh, you're, this is your last day, right? I, I know you're going to make it in this industry, kid, because you're doing a four-day week, so good, to, good on you. Yeah. That's well done. Good habits, building good habits from Took the off the Friday. We're just like the Canucks, building habits. That guy gets it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to lead with you on your final day. Lachlan, what did you learn? Okay, so I I know people are tired, a little tired of the the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift. No, uh, no way. No, not at all. Give uh, me more. Absolutely, I'm going to. Um, because so uh, some people aren't actually so and have been showing up outside of his house as kind of a uh, <laughs> like looking at it as a tourist attraction. Are you serious? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is why it's part he, of the Swifty tour. Exactly. Oh which is why he bought a new. A new mansion in Kansas City with better security for six million dollars. Six million dollars—that is infuriating. It is six bedrooms, okay. six baths, and over sixteen thousand square feet of living space, according to TMZ. It's wow. also got a pool with a waterfall, a tennis and pickleball court, and a mini golf course. Pickleball. Yeah. Wow. You want your I... own pickleball court, bruv? Would you install one in your house? Uh, he, yeah, he would 100. I lived in Kansas City. Yeah, two pickleball courts. Um, oh my god, look at this house! I'm looking at pictures of it right now. Yeah, what would six million dollars get you here? Not that a pickleball court. <laughs> Not that a piece Maybe. of grass. Yeah. <laughs> um, that always reminds me of the time um, I heard about like 
Pekka Rene's mansion that he sold in Nashville. It was like $850,000. Martin Erat lived in like a castle, like an old castle, and he just bought it for a couple million. Tyler Myers, I think when he was in Buffalo, set like the Buffalo real estate record for the amount that he paid for his house, and it was like $3 million. No, I know. It's funny. And he like surpassed Ted Nolan. (laughs) <laughs> that's just the, there's one street in Buffalo that has all the nice houses. So I'm glad you. I I did not realize that this was a thing. Like, don't get me wrong. I knew Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift were a thing. I didn't realize that um, the the Swifty era tour now includes a stop at uh, Travis Kelsey's house. This is pretty impressive. That you Travis Kelsey gets to live in a world where he is dating someone so famous that he was forced to buy a $6 million mansion for additional privacy. We've all been there. I feel like Travis Kelsey is living in a different world than we are. Oh, man, look at that lawn. It is a nice place. You need a riding lawn. You wouldn't get to touch it, though. You'd have a staff work on it. I'm not going to lie. His previous place, kind of underwhelming. Really? If I was a Swifty, I'd be like, he lives here. He's not good enough for her. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just me, though. Maybe that's why he did. He got forced into it. She's I love like, that's the first thing like, you I focus can, on is the lawn. <laughs> yeah. Wow, oh. look at the lawn. Look at the size of that platform. I can, oh, I can imagine all the Swifties standing outside being like, look, he did the diagonal cut. That is good lawn. Oh, how many? Six-car garage? Um, you okay. need it, too. Lachlan, you, did, what? Wait, oh, no, gonna, go ahead. Yeah, f- finish, please. I, I was just going to finish the segment. Did you have something else you'd like to add? Well, I finished thanking Lachlan because that was really good what we learned. I Lachlan, didn't know that either. thank you. Your time here has been fantastic. You'll be missed. Moo cow. Just, just to quickly piggyback off of that because uh-huh. uh, Bleacher Report with a great in-depth article on the Travis Kelsey uh, uh, Taylor Swift relationship. Oh, yeah. They actually interviewed a uh, star player for the Anaheim Ducks, Trevor Zegers, on this. Right. And his comments were enthralling. He just said, no thoughts. So no you're talking, okay, first <laughs> off, they didn't even interview him. They just stole the content from a Ducks beat writer. Of course. That's and then did a huge infographic. Yeah. 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 It was, you. Re- if you want to see it, go to A-Dog's Twitter. I won't even dignify it by retweeting it's it. It's amazing. I, I want to say it's tongue in cheek, but the it's fact not. that- <laughs> The fact that it's just no thoughts. Okay, thank you for letting us know. Sometimes I do feel bad for people that have to deal with the social media accounts for individual teams Mm -hmm. or media entities because it's just this endless, endless push for content, content, content. And when you're not creating it yourself, you just end up scraping. And when you do create it for yourself, I'm not going to lie, there's not enough creative people on the planet to push out that much content. Mm-hmm. Eventually, after a while, it just becomes crap. I'm just glad Bleach Report's keeping us up to speed because I, I need to know what Trevor Zegers thinks of the whole thing. Yeah. Your Twitter account is very funny, by the way. It's like the your, best. Re, your retweets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's it's just this, junk. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's, it Andy, is, Andy Cole 1984. I'm getting a real junk vibe every yeah. time I go there. Yeah. It is the sat- like, shout out to Squire Barnes. It's satellite debris. It is. <laughs> it's the least professional Twitter page that you yeah, can yeah. find. Like he, here's a picture of Air. Bud doing color commentary with Mark Jones on on ESPN on NBA and yeah. the, and the progi uh, only please only take one progi box yeah. for for Halloween yeah some guy set out progies for his Halloween gifts only Halloween one pierogi per child yes because you always get those kids that are like take ten pierogies stay away from that house kids that's the progi house <laughs> you have to bring your own sour cream or is it provided gross. All right, uh, can we do a moo cow on whatever that was is? Because I want a fresh start. Uh, Laddie wants to go. So okay. I got two what Sour we learned. One is there. a callback to my what we learned yesterday. Oh, a callback. Do you remember what uh, my what we learned about the Brandon Wheat Kings? They were no. at 4-2 with about a minute five oh, yeah, left. Yeah, yeah. And then they lost were asking me to remember what happened yesterday? <laughs> yeah. It's a tall thing. Well, the, you think they, after a devastating loss like that, four goals in the they last really minute. really tighten up at the you end. You think they yeah. tighten up, you know, mm-hmm. come back with a big, you know, 
you know, gutsy performance. Protect in the, next the house, game. boys. Come on. They lost to Portland eleven to one last oh, night. Yeah. So they follow up that performance mm-hmm. with an eleven. The old double hat tricks for Portland. They're on tilt. Well, thank you for following the Brandon Weeting season so closely thank on this you. show. This is pretty great. Uh, give us a moocow on that. And my other what we learned yes. was uh, Craig Anderson was honored by the Buffalo Sabres the other day. I don't know if you guys saw. He's wearing a ginormous goalie cut jersey. Yeah. <laughs> for his ginormous like, pads. Looks like he's in a Talking Heads video. But, <laughs> <laughs> they they got him to... You uh, asked yourself why <laughs> such a big hockey jersey. Yeah. Apparently the Senators were uh, jealous that they got to honor Anderson first because they have decided that they're going to sign Anderson to a one-day contract when Buffalo's in town and say he's our guy. He's nice. signing with the Senators for one day and they're going to honor him when the Sabres are in Ottawa. And he's going to play. Yeah, and he's actually he's their best option. Yeah. Where right. are, you, are you like a, a Craig Anderson fan? Because he's got a cool career. For a guy oh. that's not like a Hall of Famer any, anywhere near it. Any goalie that can span the generations. Like he played from he played age for forever. 20 to 41. Yeah. Like that's awesome. Any goalie that's able to play that long is able to adapt and change their style over the course of the decades and you gotta have respect for a guy like that. And his that. nickname's Andy, best part. That's, <laughs> that's the worst part. That's, that's the one thing I took away from you. Uh I wanna play some DK Metcalf audio. Okay. Because DK Metcalf is becoming quite a conversation piece in Seattle. And I'm sure Dave Softy Mahler is having a lot of fun with the DK Metcalf story. Um, so DK Metcalf, star wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks, unbelievably talented, um, having a pretty good season, except for one thing. He keeps taking stupid penalties. Yeah. So Pete Carroll has said, we've had conversations with DK. He knows what he has to do. He knows he's got to get it done. And for the most part, DK Metcalf has been, you know, I got, I, yeah, I got, I got to take yeah. accountability for this. Yesterday, however, at his press conference, he kind of pushed back and maybe he's getting a tired of all the criticism, but his response to all the penalties, and apparently the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, has this board mm-hmm. where he lists all the penalties in the leader in penalties, which is DK Metcalf, and you don't want to be on that board. Yeah. So DK was asked about that yesterday. DK, Pete was mentioning the, the penalty board that lists guys in penalties. And he said that you're kind of up toward the top of that. How much does that bother you, or is that just kind of the the nature of how the game goes and sometimes the intensity gets in the way? Yeah, I mean, it was just a bore to me. Um, I mean, I'm not going to change the way I play. Um, I mean, if you look at the penalties, there's a taunting, unnecessary roughness, face mask, holding, and I think it was one more in there. So, I mean, I'm, I'm doing pretty good if I look at it and judge myself, you know, how I play and... Uh, just try to be consistent and, you know, have clean hands or whatever the case may be. But, you know, I'm not going to change who I am as a as a player or a person. Do you feel like any of the personal foul penalties have been a case of, you know, momentarily losing, not control, but just like getting caught up in the moment too much? Uh, have you had a bad day at work sometimes? All right, so I, that's all I nail it down to. Nobody's perfect. Um, I'm my own person. Like I just said, I'm a competitive person, so I'm not going to shy away from because he put a penalty board on the screen. I mean, I'm just going to continue to be me. So that's going to be fun. So you know what the interesting thing here is? That penalty they took against Cleveland, that was one of the few where I was like, okay, I can actually understand what's going on there. Because he was engaged in a block. Yeah, he maybe, just was maybe he didn't too, hear the whistle. He said he didn't hear the whistle. Yeah. And he was way too aggressive. I think he's kind of... That was pretty petulant, though. I think he's kind of... he. I think he's in, he's taking it as you're talking about the penalty that I took 
on Sunday. And I think the reporter's trying to say, but there's a bunch of other penalties that are just plain stupid. Mm-hmm. Like you're not physically engaged with the guy or you're taunting or you're doing something that's genuinely Or dumb. they're coaxing you into penalties because now the book is out on DK Metcalf, right? Yeah. You can get under his skin and he's a bit of a snap show and you can cause him to take 15-yard penalties. I do wonder um, if this is the reason that he fell as far as he did in the draft. One if, of the reasons, yeah. Character? Well, it just... Oh, if you're going to... if you're gonna, uh, Just undisciplined. He's just undis- he's an the, undisciplined football player. The line player. to me that stands out is that it's just a board to me. It's like, well, it's your coach's board. You yeah. should have a little bit of importance. What, what bothers me <laughs> is when people, and I've seen people, you know, defending DK Metcalf, like, he's competitive. Oh, are all the other guys not competitive? Are all the other guys not playing a violent game? Is Ty, is Ty, oh, is, is Tyler Lockett not competitive? So Ty, Tyler Lockett doesn't take dumb penalties, so he's not competitive. Like I think a lot of the people that are defending it or doing it either as a devil's advocate or kind of disingenuously. I think what we're looking at here is a guy that very clearly, very clearly has issues. He's, he's a habitual line stepper. Mm. Like He is always, always pushing the boundaries, well, whereas but- other guys don't. Basketball Phil texts in, DK has a reputation around the league yes. with the cornerbacks, and they know he is easy to rattle. And Basketball Phil says, so sick of him. Undeniably, though, he's talented. I'm not so and, sick and, of and, him. And that's the, that's the thing with, with DK. Like, you're just being asked to improve one element, right? Mm-hmm. 95% of your game is great, yep. right? But there are some things that you can clean up. And I, the feeling I got from yesterday was DK was sick of hearing about it and he finally decided to push back a little bit and say like and defend himself but in doing so I think he came across really poorly Mm -hmm. and I think he came across really disrespectful to his head coach and frankly disrespectful to his teammates again to say like I'm super competitive and I play a violent game I was like everyone else does too yeah but they're not taking these dumb penalties. Yeah, Give well, me a moo on that. Okay, uh, let's fire up the dot matrix. Print out some humanoid submissions for what we learned. Humanoid what we learned are brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! This is a great what we learned. I want to start with this one. It's unsigned, and it's from Gary. I know the goalie guys... We'll love this. Hashtag WWO, what we learned. Does nobody care about how awesome the Jonathan Quick tribute video was a few days ago? Did you see this? I don't no, think Jonathan Quick cared about it. He, he laughed. <laughs> For a guy that has zero personality and sense of humor, having dealt with him in the past, um, he laughed. So Columbus did a tribute video. Remember like the 10 seconds that Jonathan Quick was a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets? Oh, Columbus did one. Yeah. Okay. And they just flashed it. And it was like, thanks, thanks for the memories. They, they had to Photoshop him into a <laughs> yeah, jersey, I'm pretty exactly sure. <laughs> and it was him like going like, way out. he was like so excited to be a member of the, the Columbus Blue Jackets. What, what, how did that go down? He never played for them, did he? Like, was there he didn't uh, get uh, traded for Corpus Allo. Right. Okay. And then he was like, I'm not doing this. And they're right. like, yeah, fair enough. Columbus was like, our, our bad. We'll move yeah. you along. We know quickly. who we are. <laughs> yeah. We're not, you know, you're not going to play here or whatever. And then he ended up. Vegas. Vegas. He won was the cup. In Vegas, won the cup. Mm-hmm. And now he's a backup for the New York Rangers. Rangers. So, uh, yeah, I saw the video. So it was about four seconds long. And he, he, I give him credit. He leaned into it. He waved to the fans and he had a good laugh. It was pretty funny. So uh, good job on that one. Yes. <laughs> 
Here's an unsigned text. What I learned is Travis Kelsey isn't the only person to move because of some psycho he's dating. I've done it twice. Oh. <laughs> Good track record there. Yeah. Twice? See, twice. 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 That's a lot of moving for psycho exes. That sounds like a you problem. problem if two I'm going to say it, yeah. <laughs> Fool me once. Fool me once. Shame on me. Anyway. Uh, the mi- I think you got that wrong. The mildly that's, that's the gag isn't okay. it? Okay, is it that was the George, George Bush. Bush? Fool me twice. Well, I won't get fooled we'll again. Get fooled again. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in his defense, is a great save. It is. <laughs> you know, the, the best one is I don't know why Ramley showed up on my feed the other day where he's like, "We we are going to take out these terrorists with all the force we possibly can." Now watch me hit this drive, yeah. and then on the go, and he smokes it, man. Yeah, yeah but that guy's like, drive. That guy, say what you set. will, say what you will about him. <laughs> he was clutch as a presidential athlete. Remember that strike he threw mm. after nine eleven? Oh yeah. Ooh. Well, that was super- right. Down Super the middle. emotional too. Yeah, he was warming was, up for that one. Uh, the mildly athletic quarterback texts in with a what we learn. I'm taking the Seahawks in my elimination pool this week, which makes me very worried about a double letdown, both emotionally and monetarily. Please, Gino, don't ruin my weekend. Uh, if the Seahawks lose this weekend, uh, you might see a little Mount Bruff on Monday because they are hosting the Arizona Cardinals. Eight, Not a good football team. Seattle is an eight-point favorite in this one. Division games always get me worried, though. Yeah, fair enough. Right? You see Kyler Murray got activated from the PUP list. He now has 21 days to they'll decide whether he can be sent onto the active roster, where they got to shut him down. But Lou Dobbs' son, Josh Dobbs, is still... Lou Dobbs' son, still the guy. Josh Dobbs, yeah. is, yes, still the quarterback. Uh, Liam in Calgary, hashtag WWO, what we learned. I learned that today's Canucks game in Tampa Bay will be the first game where we don't have to watch another boring home opener player introduction thing. <laughs> oh, God, I hate uh, that. So when we were... Uh, introduce everyone. The guys I was hanging out with on Saturday when we went to the concert, not hockey guys. Uh, yeah. Don't watch. And so we were sitting down flipping through. Sportsnet Plus, a fantastic app. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to the Habs game. Because Connor Bedard was playing yep. in Montreal. And they're like, okay, cool. What time does it start? I'm like, well, five o'clock, but it's in Montreal. So nine o'clock. So yeah, basically tomorrow. <laughs> and then they were shocked because they didn't watch a lot of mm-hmm. hockey games. They were shocked at how long the pregame ceremony was. Because Montreal introducing went, all the trainers. The trainers. And stuff, like I love I respect I love the what trainers. the trainers do, right? But even the trainers are probably like, we know by nature of our jobs. That we're now front and center, but maybe that's their special moment of the season. They I, should do that at the end. I, Who knows? They might not even do a good job. Right. Like, my gear stinks. <laughs> it's all wet and damp. And now the gear cleaning team. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it was. Right. And the 16 Ooh. people that play the mascot. Yeah. <laughs> and now this inanimate industrial fan. We would like to introduce him. He's done a lot of good work this preseason. Oh, they're about to show a close-up of the fan. Yeah. Oh, man. Kyle the, in the room. <laughs> in Kyle fan the, we trust. Kyle the Crow in Canmore. What yeah. we learn. Stamkos is planning to play tonight because he usually plays well against the Canucks. You say that for a lot of players in the NHL, but still. I think tonight's going to be interesting for both teams' perspective from the Canucks. Obviously, how are they going to respond after that very disappointing performance in Philly where they got uh, chewed out by their head coach, but also Tampa Bay. Um, I know Tampa's not this type of team. Like They're never going to panic, right? Mm-hmm. They have so much trust in their core, and they have so much trust in how they go about their business, but they still lost three games in a row on the road. Um, they are a good home team, as Dave Randorf said. Like Last year, on the road was a problem for them. 
And I guess that continues because they played pretty well in their first game against Nashville and took care of Nashville. I think that might, was that the first game of the NHL season? I think it might have been. Really, it was, that was a two o'clock start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they took care of business against Nashville, then went on the road and lost three in a row. And now they're coming back and Stamkos returning. Uh, I don't. I don't love the Canucks chances tonight, but I think for Canucks fans, even if the Canucks don't win, like they just need to see a better performance. All I think they should really just employ the shoot from anywhere philosophy tonight. Laddie and Lachlan, uh, isn't Junis Johansson regarded as like one of the worst goalies in recent memory to play in the he's, NHL? He's got a lot of skill, but he hasn't been able to put it together at any level. If you look right. at his numbers, AHL, NHL, yeah, it's right. been rough. Up, up to until about last year, he took some strides. Like, but, don't yeah. have two shots in the second period. Have more. That's my strategy. This is a good what we learned from Jay, and it kind of adds on to our conversation about the NHL draft and whether or not they're going to go to a decentralized NHL draft. In other words, not all the teams showing up to the draft, having war rooms at, at home. What we learned from Jay, the other reason the NHL wants a remote draft is so teams are home close to war rooms for free agent frenzy July 1st. That is worth mentioning because... The draft, I think this year and last year, June 28th and June 29th, and then free agency frenzy is obviously July 1st. So do you want to have a travel day where everyone in your organization is traveling on? I imagine a lot of them would fly out. I don't know when they'd fly out. Would they fly out at the end of the second day of the draft or would they fly out June 30th? Regardless, like... You're wasting time essentially traveling and a pack up your hotel room. You got to get home. You got to say hi to everyone. Wouldn't it be easier to just have like where you're at your home base for four or five days in a row and you're going into the same place the whole time? Wouldn't that maybe make it more amenable to making deals and making things happen around there? Like the draft for me is one of the reasons it was so disappointing last year. There's nothing, there's, they were just, just, it was just the draft, yeah. right? It was like, I, we want to see moves. And now part of it is the the flat cap, and I'm sure all the GMs wanted to make more moves. They couldn't. But still, like anything to get more happening at the draft and free agency, the better. Because frankly, you know, when you get to the 13th, 14th, 15th overall pick, all the way to the 32nd pick, nobody's hurt any of these guys. Unless you're like, a prospects crank, as you call it. Uh, Jesse and Kamloops, hashtag WWO. You offended the prospect cranks with that comment. That's, that's fine. Way. Oh, well. Oh, no. What are they going to do? Uh, <laughs> they, can, well, they can text in and tell me, watch, watch this guy's edge work. Uh, oh, ed, great. Edge work. Edge work. Yeah. I love it. Ed work is something totally yeah, different. Yeah, I don't think you want to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Saw a movie about that once. Uh, hashtag WWO. He's got learned. a great motor. Oh, Jesse awesome. in Kamloops. I learned that it would be nice to have junior age prospects pushing out solid NHL players like what Zach Benson is doing in Buffalo and Fraser Minton is doing in Toronto. So we're getting to that time of the year, the nine game mark, the hallowed nine game mark. I'm pretty sure that Connor Bedard's going to make it in Chicago. We good on that, guys? You think? I think he's going to last past the nine game mark. Okay. Yeah, I think he's I'm worried about him just staying healthy the whole year. He's getting knocked around big time. And yes. if, as long as he can stay healthy, he'll be fine. Uh, it sounds like Fantilli's going to stay the year in Columbus. Logan Cooley's going to stay the year in Arizona. Yeah, Logan Cooley's like their best player. Yeah. It's, <laughs> they're like, we can't lose him. Um, Minton, I don't know, man. I Tree Living said, and I, you know, Minton's. I know it's a Toronto guy, but he's he's a local kid. Um, Tree Living said that it can't just be about him like surviving 
at the end of the day, because the, the Leafs are in a position where it's like, if you're going to be on the roster night after night, you have to help us win games. Yeah. This isn't like a learning curve thing for you. So I got a feeling he'll go back. I don't know. But Benson in Buffalo, I have no idea. Because going to get 50 goals this year, obviously. All right, please stop talking. Uh, I, I don't think they're know. pretty happy with him, not only like offensively, but they were saying that he's not a liability out there. Right. And, you know, I guess it mostly comes down to what the expectations are for this season for Buffalo. If they genuinely think that they're going to make a push and be a playoff team, it might make more sense to send him back and put a more veteran player in there who kind of knows what he's doing. I air quoted knows what he's doing. Uh, there's one I want to read about Ovechkin, but I lost it. That's fine. Ovechkin had uh, zero shots on net for the second consecutive game last night and a real thumping. Oh, here it is. Table saw James. What we learned. Ovechkin's going to have a tough time getting to 895 goals if he keeps going shotless in entire games. Washington doesn't look good, man. They really don't. Spencer Carberry's got a... That's a challenge. Like <laughs> yeah. He took that job and it's like... Are you putting yourself in a position to succeed with that team? So Ovi has 822 goals. Gretzky's at 894. He's washed. And Ovi is, <laughs> listen, I mean, how old is Ovi now? He, What is he? He's 38 years old. Mm-hmm. I was like, I would have guessed 36. Ancient. He's 38. Like, he might not get there, guys. He might not. Uh, Okay, we got to go for today because we are out of time. That's what the music suggests. Enjoy the game today and tonight, everybody. Enjoy wall-to-wall coverage of your Vancouver Canucks right here on Sportsnet Sportsnet 650. Almost said that properly. Uh, Tomorrow, we'll be back to recap the game and to do Ask Us Anything Friday. But for now, we got to say goodbye. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie and uh, intern Lachlan. Good job this week, bud, and farewell. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.